What's up, friends? It's Haley Hines, a.k.a. Bird, and you are tuning in to the Give Them the Bird podcast. This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. It's about celebrating sustainable behavior change and non-scale victories. And most importantly, it's about giving the bird to the diet industry and societal expectations of body size. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, you have an entire life to live that does not require your body look a certain way. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's give them the bird. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Give Them the Bird. My name is Haley, aka Bird, and as always, I am jazzed to have you here. On this episode of GTB, I chat with Tana Smith, who is a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. For 10 years, Tana has specialized in eating disorders, disordered eating, and body image. It is her mission to help teens and women learn to trust their body so they can repair their relationships with food and their body. Tiana owns her own private practice, Realistic Roots Nutrition Counseling, and hosts an online intuitive eating and body image course called Food Freedom University. In this episode, I chat all things fad diets, intuitive eating, and body image with Tiana. We cover what some of the popular diets are right now and some implications for participating in them. Tiana also talks intuitive eating, how to get started, and some red flags to look out for when looking into an intuitive eating program. We talk about food sensitivity tests, and she shares a really good point about how the anxiety we feel around certain foods can actually impact how our body responds to eating them. And lastly, Tiana shares a super helpful metaphor to use when thinking about improving our body image that I, as you will hear, really enjoyed, and I think you will like it too. I got a lot out of talking with Tiana, and I really think that you will too. But before we hop into the episode, I wanted to quickly chat about my latest obsession, my Hello Cup. (laughs) If you are not aware of my obsession with it, just follow me on Instagram and you will be made aware of it very soon. (laughs) Hello Cup is the first and only menstrual cup that I've used, and I really have no need to look any further because it's made my transition away from tampons super smooth. As you will hear in an upcoming episode, because I'm literally going to do an episode on how much I love my Hello Cup, I mainly decided to transition away from tampons um, and as a way to reduce the not-so-pleasant impacts that tampons can have on our bodies. But not only is using a menstrual cup better for my body because it doesn't contain any nasties and there's no risk of toxic shock syndrome, even though you can wear it up to 12 hours, which is a massive plus, it's also way better for mama nature. One Hello Cup is actually equivalent to 2,000 single-use sanitary items, which is just nuts to me. I've really enjoyed Hello Cup, and it's been so helpful for me that I recently decided to partner with them to provide listeners with a 10% discount on all Hello Cup purchases. So I'm always up for chatting more about my experience with my cup, Um, But if you are ready to make the switch, you can head over to thehellocup.com and use code HelloHaley to save 10% off at checkout. Okay, now for the stuff you actually came here for. Enjoy this episode with Tiana Smith. Welcome to Give Him the Bird, Dietitian Tiana. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Haley. Yes, I'm so pumped to have you on. Like we were just talking about, I feel like we connect really well and I've been loving just engaging on your Instagram posts and learning more about you. And I love everything that you stand for. So I'm really pumped to have you here today. Yeah, I'm so excited too. When I first heard your podcast interview with Dr. Dodell, I was like, I need to meet this girl because (laughs) she is awesome. And 
totally in a line with everything that I believe as well and that I, you know, stand for. So super Yay. awesome. Here. here we are. Yeah. Well, let's um, start it off by just tell us a little bit more about you. Give us an introduction um, and also tell us a little bit about how you got into, into your work as a dietitian. Yeah. So I am a registered dietitian in Southern California. My practice is located in Temecula, California. And um, yeah, it's been about 10 years since I've been doing this work. Um, I also have four kids four boys to be exact. So um, three, fortunately, are my stepchildren that I didn't have to birth. And then <laughs> I have uh, my biological son, uh, Asher, as well. And so um, I'm a busy mom. Um, but, you know, I also have such a passion for um, being a dietitian, helping people work through body image struggles, helping them work through their unhealthy relationships with food and really helping people just feel their very best mentally and physically. So um, yeah, I'm very, very blessed and fortunate to, to get to do what I do. And um, I've specialized in eating disorders for 10 years now. And um, I'm also a certified intuitive eating counselor. So um, yeah, it's definitely uh, everything that I dreamt it would be. And so um, yeah, that's just a little bit about what I do and who I am. Yeah. I did not know that you had four kids. Holy cow. You are super busy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. So tell me more about, um, your work as an eating disorder dietitian or specialist. Cause I know that that's where you, before we started recording, you mentioned that you worked in that space for like seven years. Was it before, before yeah. being where you're at today? Yeah. So when I was a senior in high school, I actually had a friend who was struggling with an eating disorder mm -hmm. and, she went to treatment and she told me that her dietitian was very, very helpful for her in her recovery. Mm -hmm. And this really sparked my interest in becoming a dietitian. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to be just any dietitian. Like I definitely wanted to work in the eating disorder field. And so when I um, became a dietitian almost 10 years ago, I got my very first job at Remuda Ranch, which back then was like the eating disorder facility wow. that people would go to. And um, it's now called the Meadows Ranch. And, and since I feel like isn't as known, but um, you know, from there, I really uh, learned so much about what eating disorders are really about mm. because in school, you learn more about, you know, um, the quote unquote typical eating mm. disorders that you would you know, read about in basically a textbook, but uh, working at Ramita Ranch almost 10 years ago really opened my eyes to um, what they're all about. And um, that's when I also started working with kids and teens. And so that's something that um, I'm also very passionate about. I love working with um, my younger clients as well. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I, I just fell in love with, with, uh, eating disorders and people struggling with eating disorders mm -hmm. because it's just so rewarding to get to see people's lives change so drastically. Um, and so, um, yeah, it is a very, very um, fulfilling career. Mm -hmm. And I can see how having that background can really help with doing what you're doing now, because even with intuitive eating as somebody that's learning more about it. I feel like I need to know more about eating disorders in order to be able to 
help somebody through intuitive eating, even though I won't be working with folks that have an eating disorder, you know, more so with disordered relationships, exercise and food and whatnot. But um, yeah, I can just see how that would really be beneficial in implementing intuitive eating with the clients that you have now. Yeah, I, I do agree. I feel like really all dietitians need to be eating disorder informed because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I get a number of clients that come to me wanting to learn about intuitive eating and they don't realize that they actually are struggling with an eating disorder. And so thankfully, because of my background and all of my education and the extra um, work that I've sought out to really understand eating disorders, it helps me know how to properly educate somebody in regards to the different principles of intuitive eating. Because mm. it is a little bit different in how I will treat somebody if they have an eating disorder and they're wanting to, you know, ultimately become an intuitive eater. Mm. So uh, yeah, I can't encourage you enough or anybody else listening to really try to seek out more education in regards to eating disorders. Mm. Um, if you're wanting to be a non-diet health at every size dietitian, it's so important to have that um, education and background. Yeah. Yeah. And as a fitness professional too, I know that, man, we need more resources for fitness professionals when it comes to like eating disorders and being able to recognize them and, and work with them. That's something I interviewed, um, an eating disorder specialist for episode 13, I think it was. And that was one question I had for her was, you know, what are some resources for fitness professionals? And she gave out some really good ones, but, and, and agreed that the resources um, for, you know, personal trainers is, oh, it's really lacking. And I know that um, I've seen unconsciously, you know, without knowing um, personal trainers give really harmful <laughs> messaging and advice. So um, yeah, I love that encouragement for anybody that's in the space to learn more about eating disorders to, you know, do no harm and just help help their patients or clients as best they can. That's a really good, really good encouraging note. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I agree there, there aren't enough resources for trainers and, and mm. people that, that work in your field. Um, fortunately, I feel like there is more information and education out there now than there was 10 years ago when I oh, first yeah. became a dietitian, but we have a long ways to go in that mm -hmm. regard. So yeah. Yeah, I totally love agree. it. I just love that you, um, you know, are also a, a non-diet health at every size practitioner mm. as a trainer. I think that that is so valuable for people. Mm -hmm. One thing I'm curious to, to hear about, I love on the podcast, really challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. Cause I think a lot of times when we think of, you know, what does healthy or fit look like, um, we see like an image, a certain, you know, like body size in our mind. So I love to ask my guests, like, what is your definition of healthy and fit or how has it maybe changed over the years, um, even personally or professionally? How has that changed for you? Yeah. So I'm going to be really honest with you. Uh, when I first became a dietitian 10 years ago, the term diet culture and health at every size, those two terms didn't even exist. It, it wasn't something that was even heard of. Mm. And I learned, like most dietitians in my schooling, that BMI does matter, mm -hmm. um, that it is important to fit a certain mold in order to be healthy. And um, I look back and, and it makes me cringe a little to think that those were my beliefs because of what I was taught mm -hmm. in a formal education setting as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it, 
I, I feel some sadness, to be honest, um, in knowing that that used to be what I believed. And, and so I understand why people today still believe that. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'm grateful for is that there's so much more education and knowledge being put out into the world in regards to what being healthy really means. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's taken time and I've evolved, like probably most dietitians mm -hmm. and people um, in the health field. But healthy to me is really about mind, body, and spirit. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, asking yourself, am I listening to my body and trusting my body? Am I doing things that's making my body feel good and whole? You know, are there things that maybe I'm, I'm lacking, I'm maybe not doing that I could do to feel my very best? Mm. And I think when we ask ourselves those questions, um, it's very easy then to be able to identify something like, I'm just going to use intermittent fasting as an example. Mm -hmm. If you're asking yourself, like, am I feeling genuinely good? Am I really caring for my body by doing this? And if you're fasting for 12 16, 18 plus hours, like I know, you know, many of my former clients have done, mm -hmm. um, you know, the answer is going to be no, that's not honoring your body and that's not going to make your body feel good. And so that is not healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's really sad how diet culture has really twisted um, what health means because so many of these things that diet culture suggests that we do all in the name of health really don't make us feel well. Mm. And it's, and it's not being kind to our bodies. It's not respecting our bodies and their needs. Mm. And so a healthy person, in my opinion, is somebody who really honors their hunger and fullness cues. They honor their cravings. They eat sometimes out of pure emotion and that's okay, but they're also doing other things that make them feel really good. So food mm. isn't always the go-to. You know, they're moving their bodies in a way that feels really good for them as an individual. Mm -hmm. um, and they're taking time to be mindful and, and managing their stress in a way that um, is appropriate for them as an individual. Because we're all different. Mm -hmm. We're all unique. And we all have different needs. And so um, one of the things that I always like to remind my clients, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in my online course, Food Freedom University, is that you know, I'm very honored to be my client's guide, but ultimately they are the expert of their own bodies. Yes. I love that. <laughs> and so that's what health is all about. Being healthy is being very aware of your own body and its needs and trusting that and respecting it and honoring it. Mm. So, um, that's something that I personally do. And, and I'm going to be really honest again, I, that wasn't how I lived my life before I became an intuitive eater. Mm -hmm. I would say even 10 years ago when I started out as a dietitian, that's not how I lived my life, you know? And mm. so um, that's just so, so important. And you're going to feel really good mentally and physically when you do that. So mm -hmm. I love that I answer to your question, but oh. I, <laughs> I hope I covered it well. Oh my gosh. So perfect. I, I like how right away you said mind, body, and spirit, because I think that that a lot of times the mind gets forgotten about, you know, especially in when we think about, you know, diet culture, but even the spirit, like, I love that you include that in there as well. And I think too, um, 
what you mentioned about, you know, this wasn't the way I viewed healthy and fit until I started learning about intuitive eating. I can totally agree with that. Like I, and I had been introduced to intuitive eating, but it wasn't until a couple years after that I was observing an intuitive eating workshop, um, that and participating like as um, a participant or a student that I was like, oh my gosh, I get what intuitive eating is. And I understand how far from it I really am. Like it wasn't until I started to learn more about it that it's like a mask was, <laughs> was like taken off and I could see everything for what it was and obviously still learning. But yeah, I really love that you think of it as mind, body, and spirit. I think that's a really, really beautiful way of of taking into account um, everything that goes into the eating experience and just our health in general. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned intermittent fasting. And I think it was a couple weeks ago, you did, you have like an Ask the RD where you do like an IGTV and people can submit questions. And you kind of broke down um, an intermittent fasting article that I think was in like the Harvard the journal or I don't know, is it a journal or in a magazine? Yeah, it was through, uh, it was basically a blog. Yeah. That, um, uh, I don't know if she's a, a doctorate student or, or, um, I think, I believe she's already a medical doctor mm -hmm. had written basically a review of intermittent fasting. And so, mm -hmm. um, I was like, all right. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Let's break this down. So people have the facts. <laughs> yes. And I, and I literally rewatched it today and I'm just like snapping the whole time. I love how you, you broke everything down literally from the title to the first sentence. And I just think, so for anybody listening, if you haven't seen it, it's, I think it's from March 24th. It's on <laughs> your Instagram and it is so good to break down more about intermittent fasting in this article in particular, but I wanted to ask you more about just like fad diets or you know, these styles of eating, quote unquote, if we want to call it. Um, intermittent fasting is obviously one that's, it's big right now. And it's been big for a couple years. I'm curious to hear more about like from your professional opinion and your work. Um, what are some of the big like fad diets going around right now? And why, why do you think they're so popular? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think fad diets are so popular because uh, so many people if not every single person I've ever worked with, um, feels deeply insecure mm -hmm. and they feel like they need to change their outward appearance in order to feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. And diet culture and these fad diets prey on those insecurities. Mm -hmm. And fat phobia is a very real thing, let me tell you. Like, mm -hmm. Again, I don't think I've ever worked with a single client that hasn't had some level of fat phobia. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that, yeah, diet culture knows how insecure people are and they attack that, you know, and, and they promise that their fad diet is going to be a solution to all of their problems. When in reality, you know, people will lose weight, but they'll still have such low self-esteem. And so... Um, I think, you know, again, just to answer that second question, I yeah. really, I really think it's about, you know, trying to feel worthy. Mm. Um, and it's a, a false sense of safety. The idea of if I lose weight and if my body looks a certain way, that everything will be good in my life. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately from my experiences in working with hundreds, probably even over a thousand women in the last 10 years, that just doesn't happen. Mm. Um, and so, yeah. 
I think that, you know, with fad diets, the, the biggest message that I want to send in regards to them is that um, they're unsustainable, they're going to mess up your metabolism, and they're not going to be healthy for you. And so like I mentioned before, you know, I think all of these fad diets convince people that we need to lose weight all in the name of health. But just because somebody loses weight doesn't mean that they're going to be healthy. You know, I've worked with a number of people who have lost weight and actually were more unhealthy at a lower weight than when they were at a higher weight. And so again, we have to ask ourselves, how do we feel? You know, how are we sleeping? Do we have energy? Does our bodies feel good? How do our minds feel? You know, if you're not eating enough, if you're on one of these crazy 1200 calorie restrictive diets, your brain is going to be super foggy. It's going to be mm -hmm. hard to make decisions. You're going to have a hard time focusing. So, um, yeah, the most common ones that I see today, uh, I would say number one right now is Noom. Mm -hmm. And every time I see one of their ads, because they are spending, let me tell you, probably hundreds of and thousands of dollars on ads because they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, it literally makes me feel ill. Mm -hmm because the ads are so deceitful. Like it is just shady. <laughs> yeah. I so remember, shady. I remember when I first heard about Noom, I think it was like two years ago and I was meeting with a student and, um, I remember they said something like, yeah, my, my sister has lost a lot of weight, but she did it in a healthy way. She used Noom. And I was like, oh, interesting. I, I didn't know what Noom was. And when you look it up online, like they make it seem like the anti-diet way to lose weight or it's yes. so yeah, totally shady. And I was just on my Pinterest and like four ads come up. I'm like, why me? <laughs> why are you targeting me? Yeah. It's everyone. I think that they target all, I was going to say all women, but really I think it's probably all human beings. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, it's very, very deceitful. I have a number of clients and, and even a close friend who has done it. And what I've been told is, you know, it's very restrictive. The majority of people I've spoken to have been advised to consume 1,200 calories a day, which mm -hmm. is about how much I probably eat by lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, for me to stop eating after lunch, I mean, that would be really unhealthy. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you're encouraged to weigh yourself daily. There's like a, a robot, essentially, that um, is pretty, pretty bullying, I would say in saying, have you weighed yourself today? If not, you better go do that. Yeah. Oh my things that um, my clients have shared with me. Wow. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just BS. Mm -hmm. Like it's, their ads are just very, very misleading. Mm -hmm. So anyways, that's probably what I would say the most common one right now, just because it's so in your face, mm -hmm. but you know, keto is also something that I often hear about. Um, I had heard somebody tell me recently, you know, I was told that I have hyperlipidemia and my doctor said, you need to lose weight to manage this. You should try keto. Mm. And I, I'm like, why would a doctor advise that? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and weight loss isn't the answer. You know, mm. if you naturally lose weight through, learning about intuitive eating, then okay, but that's not going to be the case for everybody. And um, we need to look more at your health behaviors rather mm -hmm. than the weight itself. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, so yeah, keto, again, as I mentioned, intermittent fasting. Um, I feel like there's always crazy like cleanses and things mm -hmm. like that that convince you that your liver for whatever reason isn't working <laughs> <and> <laughs> you need to do this juice cleanse. Um, it's all about money. It mm -hmm. really is. I know somebody recently who she got pregnant and was selling her uh, liver cleanse program oh, to her friends on Instagram. And she said she had paid like $500 for this cleanse. And that just made me so sad. I'm like, that is such a waste of money. Mm. It, it blows my mind that um, there's companies out there that are, are really profiting off of our insecurities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I so <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think it's, again, when you like lift the veil and start to see how embedded diet culture is in so many things, like sometimes people will send me, you know, what about this? What about that? I'm like, it's a diet. It's a diet. It's a diet. <laughs> but it's, I remembered, you know, back maybe like five, six years ago, probably maybe a little bit farther back than that when I would have been asking the same things. Like, is this meal replacement program um, a good option for weight loss? And it's like, absolutely no, you don't need to buy, you know, all these shakes and bars and all this stuff. Um, and so, but the louder that diet culture gets, again, it's like, I think the louder anti-diet culture gets. So I hope that <laughs> we start to prevail, but um, yeah, it's exhausting, especially when you just see it literally all over the place. And one thing I'm really curious about too, I mean, do you feel like the implications for all these different fad diets are all fairly similar in terms of, you know, like how they obviously ruin your, your relationship, like psychologically with food and movement and the impact that they have on your metabolism. Like, are there other implications that you think folks don't really know about that would be worth hearing about? Yeah. So I'm actually doing a masterclass on this, um, the week Ooh. of the 20th. So of April 20th. Um, and so people can sign up actually on my Instagram at dietitian.tiana. But yeah, I'm going to go into depth in regards to what diets do to our bodies mm. and the harmful effects of them, um, short-term and long-term. But in a nutshell, yeah, it, it completely disrupts your metabolism. Um, it absolutely impacts your relationship with food in your body. It completely takes you away from being able to trust your body and listen to your body. It impacts our hunger and fullness cues. Um, for a lot of people, what I like to say is, and I learned this actually through Evelyn Triboli in my intuitive eating, uh, counselor training. Um, and that is, is, you know, when we're given food rules or food rules are put upon us, our inner child wants to rebel. Mm. And so it also affects our ability to really be in tune with what our bodies genuinely need at any given time, because subconsciously that rebel is wanting to come out. Mm. And so, um, you know, before I became an intuitive eater, I like to use the example of chocolate chip cookies because I, that's my favorite. <laughs> All made freshly Love it. chocolate chip cookies are the best in my opinion. Um, and before I became an intuitive eater, I would tell myself like, you can't have those cookies, Tiana. Like those are bad. They're going to make you gain weight. And you know, that's, According to diet culture, that is the worst thing that could ever happen to a person, right? And so I would really try to restrict cookies, but then 
when they would present themselves, I would end up eating like 10 in one sitting. Mm -hmm. And I think, I really think looking back now, that was my inner child saying, F you. So I'm doing what I want. Wow. Mm -hmm. And then came all the guilt and the shame. And then that cycle would start all over again. Mm -hmm. And it is just such a shitty way of living. Mm -hmm. Like, ugh, Mm -hmm. it sucks. Yeah. But now today it's like, I can have one, maybe two cookies and I'm good. Mm -hmm. Like I have zero guilt, zero shame. I truly enjoy it and savor it. And I move on with my life, you know? So. Yeah. I love that. What you mentioned about like the inner child, like the rebellious, Yes. Like I can absolutely relate to that. And I think it's so interesting when, like, if I'm working with students or working with anybody and I'm just like, purchase the food, maybe it doesn't have to be like the food that literally makes you crawl out of your skin. That makes you so scared to eat, but like a minor, you know, one, like maybe chocolate chip cookies or something, keep it in the house. Tell yourself that at any point I can go grab a cookie. And just, I think for so many people, obviously it depends on how, you know, their relationship with food, how deep it and intertwined it is, but just giving yourself permission and knowing like, I can have that later if I want it. It makes that like anxiety, at least for me, it it still does. I remember when I first learned about that, how impactful it was, but it still is impactful for me. Like I can go get those cookies whenever I want. And it's like, okay, then I don't feel like I have to eat all 25 of them in one sitting. Like So yeah, I can totally relate to that, like rebellious feeling like I had to eat all 25 cookies. And now that I've learned more about intuitive eating, how I, I don't have that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Making food that or giving food that unconditional permission to enjoy Mm -hmm. is so, so critical. And I think that that's actually one of the most misunderstood principles of intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. You know, I hear so many people tell me, you know, I've put off learning about intuitive eating and starting my intuitive eating journey because I'm fearful that I'm just going to only want to eat chocolate chip cookies or pizza, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't work like that. Mm-mm. You know, when we take the power back from the food, it just doesn't work like that. We end up craving a much greater variety of foods than ever before. Mm-hmm. And I'm a much more nutritious eater now than I was when I was struggling with Mm -hmm. uh, feeling like I needed to diet. And, Mm -hmm. and I would say even before I became an intuitive eater, it wasn't so much specific diets that I would do, but it was all of these food rules that I had imposed upon myself, you know, all the things that I'd heard from diet culture. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a very peaceful, freeing place to be when, you know, you can have the chocolate chip cookies whenever the heck you want. Mm -hmm. And those urges to binge, are gone. Mm-hmm. Like, I have zero urges to binge. Um, it's been a very long time since that's happened for me. And, and that's why I just love intuitive eating so much. I'm so grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can totally echo that. I absolutely feel, feel that way too. So I'm curious if you can give us an overview of, you know, what is intuitive eating and how can people get started with it? Um, obviously taking part in your course is a beautiful way to do that. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit more about intuitive eating from your perspective. Yeah. So intuitive eating is all about getting back to learning to trust, honor, and respect your body and its Mm -hmm. needs. That's really intuitive eating in a nutshell. Um, And so it's not a weight loss plan. It's not a diet. 
it's, it's really about learning to feel your very best, both mentally and physically. And so I think a lot of people think that intuitive eating um, isn't about your health. And let me tell you, that is so far from the truth. Um, like I said, I am the healthiest I've ever been today because I'm an intuitive eater. Mm -hmm. And, and um, so I, I think that that's a very important message to get across, but yeah, for anybody who is wanting to start their own intuitive eating journey and they're like, I don't know where to start because mm. I mean, let's be honest, there is so much misinformation out there about intuitive eating. And, and really I, I see quite a few people on the internet as well, preaching intuitive eating and preaching anti-diet while simultaneously preaching weight loss. Yes. Mm. And that is the biggest red flag you could look out for. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I did my, my intuitive eating training with Evelyn, I think she probably said at least 10 times, do not teach intuitive eating for weight loss. Mm -hmm. Now for some people that may happen naturally, like I mentioned before, um, but it's not, you're not going into it with that. That's not your main intention, mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, so that's an important thing to keep in mind, but yeah, for somebody who is on a budget, I think the best thing they can do is purchase the book Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. Um, they also have a workbook that you could do alongside with it. Um, for somebody who is ready though to invest in really taking intuitive eating seriously, um, you know, you're gonna save a lot of time, a lot of energy, and really a lot of money if you do spend money on diet products, then yeah, my course is really, really great. It's called Food Freedom University. Um, it's an eight-week self-paced course, um, but we also do live Q&As every single week. That's good. And um, I try to keep my group small so that you're able to ask questions and we can really have a conversation. Uh, and then anybody that's in the course also gets 20% off my individual telehealth rates. Oh, wow. So for a very affordable price, you're getting direct access to me as well um, if you feel like you need that extra um, attention. So mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah, I absolutely love the course. Um, my students last semester were so awesome. We had a ton of fun. And so, um, yeah, I would highly recommend that for anybody who's like feeling really ready and really serious about learning about this and they don't want to have to try to figure it out all on their own. Mm -hmm. um, I do have a student who had mentioned at the end of my course that she was grateful for Food Freedom University because uh, after just reading the book on her own, she was unsure how to actually apply it to her own life. Yes. And so she said with the course, she really learned how to actually implement it so that, you know, she can continue on and through uh, the stages of intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that working through it with somebody is really important because I was lucky when I started learning about intuitive eating, um, I was, and I still, I go to therapy. Um, shouldn't we all like, <laughs> um, Me too, girl. Me yes, too. <laughs> yes. um, and so it was something that I was able to kind of work through with my therapist. Um, and just as I was learning, I work with a dietitian and I was almost, you know, talking about my experience only from like a student perspective and seeing how she would respond and everything. But I think working with somebody like working with an intuitive eating counselor or, you know, a therapist, whoever, I think that's so important because yeah, the book is like a total, 
I mean, it's going to flip what you think of health on its head. I mean, it is holy cow. Even within the first, like the introduction, when it starts talking about like why diets don't work, (laughs) it's like, hold the phone. Wait, what? Everything I thought about like losing weight or healthy is wrong. So I I love the the opportunity that you mentioned to work with you one-on-one and to do the, um, the course with you, the free food freedom university. I think that's such such an important resource. Um, yeah. You mentioned red flag. I remember, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what, oh yeah, somebody that was saying like intuitive eating and weight loss. And that yeah. is one question I'm backtracking a little bit that I wanted to ask you, like what are some nutrition red flags or um, like food red flags or just things that people can be aware of? Like if they see intuitive eating weight and weight loss or like macro counting together, that's a red flag. What are some other like red flags that people can be aware of? Yeah. So counting really anything for that matter, trying to keep within a certain caloric um, amount, Um, anything where you're, you're feeling like you have to be super precise with your eating. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are all major red flags. Um, And like I said, anything that involves intentional weight loss, like I know that I would have a greater following on Instagram and probably more people calling me if I said that I taught intuitive eating and also promoted weight loss. Yes. I'm very aware of that. And, and I'll be honest, when I was doing my intuitive eating training, there was even a girl in my class who expressed concern about that. She said, I'm, I'm concerned that I'm not going to have a full clientele if I don't promote weight loss. And it's so sad that we know that that's so appealing for people, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But it's very unethical. Mm -hmm. I, that's not what intuitive eating is about. So Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing, but yeah, anything that involves trying to control your body, Mm. intuitive eating is not about trying to control your body. It's about Mm -hmm. honoring your body. And um, when we try to control that takes us away from being able to be in tune. So, you know, I would be very, very cautious of that. Um, Another one too, I would mention is anybody that's promoting like those um, food sensitivity tests and things Mm. like that. Um, Other ways of selling you something that's really unnecessary. Mm. Uh, I see that all the time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. And that's something when I, um, interview Dr. Dodell a couple episodes ago, that was something that I was curious about too. Like this whole idea of like hormone health. Cause I feel like it goes a lot of the people that are promoting the food sensitivity tests are also like helping women balance their hormones and all of these things. Um, and so I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it wasn't something that I directly had asked him about, but I see it all over and, and like what he and I talked about. And I, I still agree with what he mentioned that, it's basically just, it's all, it's still diet culture. Like it's just Mm -hmm. another way. It's like another way that diet culture is presenting itself um, through like your favorite food that you eat all the time. Oh, you're actually sensitive to it and you can't have it anymore. It's like, oh, okay. Cause isn't it a lot of those tests and you totally correct me, but I feel like I read something that because they show up on those tests, like the foods that you eat frequently, because there's naturally like occurring enzymes in your body from having just eaten it or something like that? Or did I make that up? 
Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of false positives that can happen. And oftentimes that is related to how often you're eating those foods. And so um, like a number of my clients have had false positives with uh, gluten or wheat. Mm. And I always ask them, well, how did you feel eating like regular bread, for example, um, before you got this, this food sensitivity test? And nine times out of 10, people are like, I felt totally fine. Oh, like, wow. So, and so, you know, that's where you say it's, it's unnecessary then for you to cut something out. Like that would be restricting yourself mm -hmm. of something that, you know, you actually can have and should have. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I did actually recently an ask the RD on gluten intolerance mm -hmm. as well and celiac disease. And, you know, I think with the whole gluten craze, I think it was about five, six years ago, uh, everybody thought that they were allergic or intolerant to gluten. And I want to be sensitive to those that genuinely are because right. I do have some clients right now who, who genuinely are intolerant or have celiac disease. But I also know that diet culture latched onto that and was like, oh, well, if you can't have gluten, then that means you can't have a lot of grains and grains are bad. So, you know, this makes it a, an easy excuse to not eat them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 mm. <laughs> it, it shouldn't work like that. You mm. know, we, uh, the majority of people can digest and absorb gluten and wheat just mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. I feel like a lot of times too, with that, it's like, oh, you ate bread and, and you feel sick. It's because of the bread, but it's like, there's so many other things that impact how we feel like our stress or our hydration, our movement, you know, so many other things, but the food is the easy one because again, we think food, diet, weight loss, life is all better. So it's like an, totally an easy, an easy attack to just point at the food and not take a look at all the other things happening, you know, that impact our health and that are happening in life. You know, if, if people struggle with disordered eating or eating disorder and they're feeling fearful of certain mm. foods, but then they eat them, but they're feeling anxiety. Mm. That also is going to affect how we feel physically. Mm -hmm. And so people may be, you know, feeling fearful of bread. They eat bread, they have anxiety, and then they don't feel well after. They automatically are thinking it's the bread that's the problem. When in wow. reality, it's the anxiety that they're suffering from that's making them feel ill. That is such a so, good point. Um, yeah, that's something that I also talk to my clients a lot about and encourage them to also work with their therapists on. And, and that is helping to manage the anxiety and do uh, exposure response prevention with these foods that are scary for them so that they're not feeling sick um, because they're eating something that's, you know, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. That's a really good point. I love that. So I know one thing that you do, you work with body image a lot. So I'm curious, like, how do you approach working with women to improve their body image um, like, are there common struggles that they experience? And also this is kind of a long question, but how does it differ working with, um, teens on body image compared to working with like adult women? Yeah. So, um, body image is incredibly complex. Mm. It is a relationship with our body. So we can't just have little check marks of, of things to do and then move on. Um, it's something that takes a lot of time, a lot of time, a lot of consistency and a lot of effort. So one thing that I'll often do with my clients is I'll ask them, 
how many years have you struggled with being mean to yourself or, mm -hmm. or hating your body? For most of my clients, it's years upon years, right? Wow. Mm -hmm. And then I ask, you know, is it every day that this happens? Usually the answer is yes. And then I ask on average, how many times or how many hours per day would you say you're spending uh, hating on your body? And again, usually it's a, a large number. Um, and then we do the math. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, you know, usually it's 100,000 plus hours that people have spent being assholes to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm really passionate about uh, educating people on is this idea of neuroplasticity and what we feed our brains. And if you kind of think about like a, a hiking path or a hiking trail, you know, the more people that walk down that specific trail, the more worn it's going to be, right? And it's no different than, than the way our brains work with neuroplasticity. The more we walk down that path of being mean to ourselves and being mean to our bodies, the more worn those paths mm. are going to be, the more those neural pathways are going to become ingrained in us. So it's very normal for somebody who spent 100,000 plus hours of their life thinking negatively. I mean, their brain's always going to go to the negative. Mm -hmm. And so what I always like to explain is that we need to create new healthy pathways. We need to start walking down a different trail. Mm. And so if you imagine, you know, you're on a hiking trail and, and nobody has walked down a path in a long time, there's going to be a lot of brush you know, a lot of things that, um, you know, need to be walked through in order for that to become the new trail, in order for that to become more ingrained. And so uh, I do a lot of mind work with my clients in that regard. And so sometimes it's uh, in the form of writing something that you genuinely like about yourself, whether it's about your personality or your body on a sticky note and sticking that on a, on a, window or a mirror that you constantly walk past or look at. Mm -hmm. um, and then I always say, you know, I want you to repeat your, repeat to yourself over and over and over again, your top three, because we have to work on changing what's going on with our brains. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, another thing is when those thoughts pop in, those negative thoughts pop in, it's important too, that we tell our brains, like, I'm not entertaining this. Mm -hmm like no, and changing the channel. So an example I like to share with my clients in regards to my own body image is, um, this is probably like six months ago, I, I was looking in the mirror and I was wearing shorts and I noticed that from that angle, my legs looked smaller than normal from what I normally would, would see. And Five minutes later, I walked past another mirror and noticed a patch of cellulite on the side of my thigh. And what I had to tell myself in that moment was, we're not going down this road, Tiana. Mm. Like, nope, we're changing the way that we're thinking because this isn't helpful. And so that's what I did. And I moved on and, and I didn't do what I would have done 10 years ago. And that is obsess over everything that I need to eat that day, feel like I need to over-exercise to try to compensate. Instead, it was like, we're not entertaining this. You're human. This is normal. There's mm. nothing wrong with your body. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, 
And then just one last thing to add, I can go on and on about body image because yeah. we love it so much, but uh, you know, we also process body image in nine different areas of our brain. Oh, wow. So body image is like crazy complex. Wow. And that's why, you know, one major commonality that I see with my clients is that they'll say, you know, one day I'll, I'll look in the mirror or, or I'm just sitting there and I feel okay. I feel neutral, or maybe even I feel good about my body, but then the next day, or maybe even the next minute, I feel completely different. I feel you know, huge, like I've gained a bunch of weight and, and I'm really hard on myself. And um, we know logically that our bodies haven't drastically changed in a minute's notice, but we're perceiving it differently. Mm. And so I always tell my clients different isn't bad. Mm. Just because you're seeing your body differently doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with your body. Our brains are just really complex. Wow. You know, and, and then we also have to remind ourselves too, that fat isn't bad. Like, mm -hmm. where did that idea come from? Who's convincing us of that? Because, uh, that absolutely has fed into our sick culture, mm -hmm. you know, um, with this idea that fat is bad. Mm -hmm. I love the, um, the metaphor or analogy you use, like the hiking one, mm -hmm. because I think even thinking about in my, that in my head, um, it makes it puts it into perspective how long it takes to undo or unlearn or relearn, like how to appreciate or feel neutral about our bodies. Like when you think about, I'm literally paving a new path, like that shit takes time. <laughs> like that's a really yeah. good me like metaphor or analogy to use um, when thinking about that. So I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think sadly too many people give up too soon mm -hmm. because it's hard work. Mm. It takes a lot of consistent effort. And people want that quick fix. And they think that weight loss is going to give them that quick fix. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so, um, but my clients that are really consistent and keep with it do well. And mm -hmm. they, they're able to change, you know, that automatic thought of what they think about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, another question that you had asked is the differences between working with teens and adults. Um, to be honest, I don't think that there's too many drastic differences. Um, Fortunately for my teens, I feel like when they're able to work through it at a younger age, they're then able to, mm. you know, not live a life of hating their bodies as adults. So uh, getting help sooner than later is definitely ideal and important. But, you know, with my teens, one of the things that I often ask them, and, and I'll ask my adults this too, but it's a little bit different with my teens, is I'll ask them about their own parents, specifically their own mothers. And I'll ask them, you know, what does your mom say about her own body? Um, what do you see within your mom? What is she modeling for you? And for a lot of my teens, unfortunately, they've grown up with moms that have been really mean to themselves as well and have felt like they needed to lose weight or diet. And, and so we're being sent these messages typically at a very young age that fat is bad, mm -hmm. that we need to try to control our weight or lose weight, and that also food can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of uh, the work that I do too with my teens is helping them understand that even though um, you've grown up this way, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily correct. And, and that's hard, you know, to get across to a teen that's still, you know, living at home with their parents. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
but yeah, like I said, though, these are conversations that I do have with adults as well. They're just a little bit more prominent with my teens. Mm. Where can we find you on, on Instagram, your website, where can um, listeners go to hear more or to learn more about your, um, your course, food freedom university and enroll or ask questions about it. Where can we go to learn more about that? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at dietitian.tiana. Um, and so feel free to follow me. I post every day, mm-hmm. great tips on eating disorders, disordered eating and intuitive eating. Um, my online digital course, Food Freedom University will open for enrollment on April 20th. Um, and for those of you who, you know, are just wanting to get your feet wet with intuitive eating, I am going to do a free masterclass also the week of April 20th. Um, I actually have three masterclasses that I'm doing that you can sign up for. So if you go to the link in my bio at dietitian.tiana, you can sign up for the masterclass or you can DM me about Food Freedom University and I would really love to meet you. Um, I also do have a website. It's realisticrootsnutrition.com. That is my private practice located in Temecula, uh, but I do also do telehealth. And um, yeah, this has been so fun. Thank you Yay. so much. I, I know. It. It's been so fun to chat with you. And I literally, I'm like, how it has an hour already passed? Like, holy cow. So <laughs> I hope I'm too. not. I know it really did. I feel like I could have talked to you about 5,000 other things. So <laughs> I appreciate you so much. Um, It's been so fun to connect again on Instagram and I can absolutely encourage anybody that um, is listening to definitely follow you because I feel like I learned so much from following you already. Like, again, I love the breakdown of different things that you provide and just the different questions that you ask that even get me thinking about like what I already know about intuitive eating. It's just a different perspective. So I really appreciate it. Um, and I'm so glad that you promoted your, your, um, your course. Cause I think just in learning more from you and having this opportunity to chat with you, you are super insightful. You are very good at what you do. And, um, I think anybody would really benefit from working with you. Oh, thank you. You're the best. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I'm so excited for you to be an intuitive eating counselor soon too. <gasps> yes. To be, so, so awesome. It's an incredible uh, experience. So I'm excited for you too. Oh, thank you. Thanks again, everyone for tuning in to another episode of GTB. If you haven't already, be sure to go follow Tiana on Instagram at dietitian.tiana. And if you are enjoying this podcast, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. I will see you back here in two weeks for another episode. But in the meantime, go give them the bird.